Welcome to Island Baptist Church. Today's sermon is in Luke 2, Christmas Wordness. I have a Bible with you. We're in the book of Luke. Luke 2. And we have been here at Island Baptist studying Luke for since the end of the summer. And we're now providentially here at the beginning of Luke chapter 2, right here in the middle of Christmas season. Landed on the right spot. Almost think we planned it that way when you'd be almost right about that just taking it as it comes here and here we are Luke chapter 2 we're going to be there in just a bit uh, have you noticed the title that I put in the bulletin it's kind of a weird title right ha 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 the weirdness of Christmas what is that well I know what I mean for it to be I'm not sure what it will be but I mean to point out to us that normally the weird things that happen in and around the birth of Christ, the first Christmas, is, uh, I think you can underscore it, completely weird. I, I say that to say this, that the definition of weird for you maybe is the thing that might uh, trip you up a bit. I'm familiar with what Webster says. Uh, I'm also familiar with the fact that maybe you aren't, or maybe you are. There's so many nuances and so many ways that weird is used in our culture, and maybe weird means... Nothing to you in your culture, but in the redneck culture I was raised in, we used it for everything. <laughs> so here's some weird nuances, if you will, that are, I'm not talking about. Uh, there is the not right weird. Not right. What do I mean by that? Well, for instance, you say, I ask you how you're feeling, where I was from, I would say, I'm feeling a little weird. That's not what I'm talking about here. That's not the weirdness of Christmas I'm referred to here. That is a weird, but it's not this weird. Then there's the awkward weird. You know, you experience something awkward, a situation, you say, well, that was weird. It's not that either. Uh, it is weird, but not that weird. Uh, and then there's the strange weird, um, and um, this is still true for me, and probably they say the same thing about me. Um, you know my cousin, right? He's a little weird. <laughs> not the weird I'm talking about here. The weird I'm referring to when I say weird for the rest of our time together is the incredible weird, the awe-inspiring weird, the I can't understand it, uh, if you will, weirdness of, of Christmas. And uh, there's so much of it. It's, it's, hardly, it's, it's hard to find anything that's not weird in the story. We've been together, if you've been a part of Island Baptist here for since, since the summer, we've been looking at uh, beginning in chapter 1 of all the weird things that happened here. First of all, anybody here in their 60s? 60s and 70s. Come on. Come on. I, I see that hand back there, Joe. <laughs> Trying to shave his goatee off and make himself look younger or something. I don't know. See that hand. He just turned 60. 60s, 70s. Let's see it again. So, so here's, here's, here's a weird scenario for you. So, at the end of this month, you and your wife, you and your husband find out that you're having a child. Would that not be weird? That would be so weird, wouldn't it? I'm in my early 50s. That would be, no, no, weird. My kids have already moved out. Let them go. Uh, so, 
So weird. Why am I saying that? Because the whole story of the book of Luke starts out with a couple in their 60s, maybe 70s, Elizabeth and Zacharias, who found out they're going to have their first and only child, parents of John the Baptist. That is so weird. Pregnancies. There's weird pregnancies. Of course, theirs is nothing compared to the other weird pregnancy in the same chapter. Mary said to the angel, how, angel says, you're going to have the Son of God. How can this be? Since I'm a virgin, the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you, and for that reason the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. That is so weird. There is no exception. I mean, have you ever heard of that? That doesn't happen. But it did once, and it sets it out as something that is completely weird. Now, these two pregnancies... These two babies in utero, both the, that of Elizabeth and of Mary, met each other. Remember that one? Just a couple of verses later. It says, now at this time, Mary arose and went and hurried to hill, the hill country to see this weird thing, right? The 60-year-old who is now pregnant. The city of Judah entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby, not Elizabeth, the baby, in her womb, uh, leaped. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. That is so weird. So, so let, me, let me run this down for you real quickly here. So, so Jesus is recognized as the Messiah in utero by John the Baptist, who is also in utero. So before they're born, both Jesus is Messiah and John the Baptist is the prophet. That is super weird. There is some weird stuff in the Bible, and that is among, if not the most weird thing that there is. That is, again, what does weird mean? Amazing, incredible, unexplainable. Weird pregnancies, of course, lead to weird babies, Jesus in particular. Luke chapter 2, we're going to be there in, in chapter 2, verse 7. I put it on the screen up there for you because we're going to hold our place there for a bit. So, so chapter 2 says, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. Well, there's nothing weird about that. I mean, your pregnancy, you reach, reach your nine, in, in a nine months, you have a baby. She wrapped him in clothes. That's not weird either. They all did that, Middle Eastern culture. They laid him in a manger. Now, that's weird because there was no rain from the end. That was not weird, and we're going to see some of these things in just a second. But let's first of all talk about the baby that she has here. So he's virgin born, virgin born. That is so weird. Babies don't come that way. I don't know if anybody's talked to you about that yet. Kids don't listen. <laughs> That's not how they get here. No one believed her because who would? Joseph had to be told by an angel. He wouldn't believe her. That is so weird. And he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, as we read. And, and a market under, underscore it, understand it, please get it. He is God. Not, an, not a representation of God. He is actually God. That's a weird baby. That's the weirdest baby that's ever been. He, the, so, so again, let me run this down. So the eternal God himself, the one born in Bethlehem, had always lived. That is so weird. That, just wrap your mind around that. So he was just born, but he had always been. Yep. Super weird. 
The Lord of immensity, the Lord of infinity, the Lord of omnipresence, the Lord of omnipotence has confined himself to a human body less than 24 inches and less than 10 pounds. That is weird. That's the weirdest baby there ever was or ever will be, by far. Weird pregnancies lead to weird babies and in weird locations. Bethlehem, right? We're so familiar with that place, and yet we are not because Bethlehem is... um, We've romanticized it. We've turned it into some things it shouldn't be and, and maybe kept some things that it should. But uh, again, among the smallest of all the communities of Israel was Bethlehem at this time. Really, when David was born, they were the same. City of David, right? Well, because there was just really his family and a few other relatives there and nobody else. At the time of Christ's birth, population around 250, maybe 300. I don't know, some of you are from that small of a town, and I know, but your town was bigger than this town. And I don't mean a population, I mean in the sense of the way it was spread out. Because there would be a house on this street and a house over there and a house on that farm and a house in this area. You know what I'm talking about? We, we spread out. That's not the way they did it back then. They did it cloistered together. So a town of 250, 300 would be on a, maybe three acres. Maybe three acres. I can throw a rock across it. Probably you could too. Super small. It's not a bad place. Uh, I've been there a lot. I've I've seen it. It's rather picturesque. I'd say rather picturesque in the sense, just simply to say, there were other more picturesque places. Bigger mountains, nicer hills, more beautiful environment, better view, better, better everything. There, there is. It's not a bad place. It's not an excellent place. It's just kind of a ho-hum place in that sense. And, and just to demonstrate how small it was, the shepherds have no problem finding Mary and Joseph. Now, I grew up in a small town. I don't know how small yours. Mine was 8,000. I consider that small. Some of you are from much smaller towns. Anybody from a small town less than 500? You got one back there. You're down to 499, right? There you're less than that. Less than that, huh? Yeah, a little bitty. Um, in my town of 8,000, if you had told shepherds to find a manger or a feed trough, that would have been a couple of days' search. Because every other house, I have a small, relatively small town, Everybody had, people had horses, they had cows, they had chickens, they had, you know know what I'm saying? Which trough? So to demonstrate how small this town is, I think among other things, not to say the shepherds weren't guided by the Holy Spirit, but I'm thinking it's pretty small just in the fact they had no problems finding Jesus. How many troughs could there be? Well, apparently not many. They didn't have to search long. So so again, this isn't a, a terrible place. It's just a very unlikely place. Bethlehem. Uh, but but and, and here here's the the more weird the weirdest thing about it is that when you're God you have all the options don't you could be anywhere on the planet in the universe bringing your son into the world you could have brought him anywhere you could have brought him in anywhere in Israel far better cities with better views and better spots, and maybe more li- certainly more likely than any other place than Bethlehem, but that is the place that God chooses, and, and not only that, understand, a- a- as the site, listen, where God, where people would first witness the eternal union between God and man, of all the places that you have as an option for you, which are all the places, that's where you do it? You're God, and that's where you do it? That is weird. That's weird. God, where, where God would become inseparably united to his creation. Yeah, that's really weird. 
of all the places, that's where you launch it. Where, where, where your plan to redeem people of their sins, you launch your whole plan in Bethlehem. That is very weird. That is very weird. It is a very unlikely spot, making it very weird. Weird, 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 weird spot for uh, a weird location, weird spot for labor and delivery. Don't you think? Anybody, any ladies here delivered in a barn? <laughs> Maybe a car, hopefully a hospital. Maybe your house. Not a barn, if it even was that. The Romans, of course, required the world be taxed because they needed more money for no other reason other than they need more money. The same reason why government today. Why do they need more money? Because they need more money. Quit asking questions. Don't, haven't you gotten the point? They wanted more money, so they got more money. When the Jews said you can't just tax them anywhere, the Romans don't care where you sign your name. Jews says you have to go to your hometown. And so Mary and Joseph, unfortunately, it comes at a very bad time. She's in her third trimester. She's due with a baby. They have to pull up and leave. It's a 90-mile walk. As I said last time, they most likely walked it. Unlikely they rode a donkey. Number one, because a donkey's hard to ride. Number two, they didn't have the money to afford a donkey. It was a luxury. So they walked the 90 miles. And, 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 and David, of course, who is the ancestor, they have to go back to and honor him in, the, in that tiny town. David was from a very small town. It was small when he was born. It was small when they attend there. But David had lots of descendants. So what happens to this town, and, and effectively what the Romans set was a drop-dead date, like an April 15th date for getting taxed. So April 15th, we all know what that date is, right? It's a holy day of prayer and fasting and <laughs> asking for forgiveness, right? Well, the Romans said, listen, you got to go register by this date. And some, sometime between they hear the news and the time that date gets there, people are traveling to Bethlehem, scores of them. Bethlehem sleeps about 200 or 300 people. Where do these people stay? Well, it becomes a tent city. They're bivouacked all around in all the hills, and there's lots of hills, lots of open pasture land around there. They're bivouacked everywhere. Among those is also a little couple, woman being very pregnant by the name, we know them, Mary and Joseph. There's no room for them in the inn. We talk about something that we have romanticized and embellished. The word inn in the Greek, don't you hate it when pastors do that? In the Greek, we've always had it something straight, and now he's going to make us, he's going to mess the whole story up. It doesn't say it wasn't this, but I don't know about you. When I hear the word in, what do you think of? I can remember as a child on Christmas services, there was no room for them to end. I was thinking Holiday Inn. I think it had a place to park your car and had a pool out in the back. Three stories. You know, we have some version of that, though, is kind of the picture we have when we hear the word in, because the, the, the word literally in the Greek just literally mean, just says shelter. Could have been anything. No room for them in a shelter of any kind is the best way to translate that. So, so again, uh, let's go back to this town. This town is not on the way to anything. So it's quite unlikely there would have been a commercial inn of any sort in this town. You don't go there on the way to anything if if you are there, you probably live there because you're not, there's no other reason to attend there. It's not, there's not a reason to be there anything, in any other reason. Except when the Romans pull something like this, then you've got to be there. So what happens is, is that all the mom and pops in this town let out all their rooms. All becomes Airbnb stuff. Okay? They're making a ton of money. You're scoring on the big, big thing because here comes all the Romans making. So 
You, you know, you raise the rent. We've got a room. We've got a bed. We've got a piece of floor. We've got a, I don't know, a courtyard. We've got a partial roof with a, with a ladder up to the top. We've got a pasture land. We've got a flat pace out in the back. Like I said, you've got to house hundreds of people over probably several weeks. What happens to these people? Well, I can tell you for sure that the nicest places were soaked up by the Roman officials who were there to make the money. So there was no room for probably anyone, not just Mary and Joseph, in any kind of shelter in whatever you want to call it. Uh, and Mary and Joseph, of course, are known. So they travel 90 miles. They show up. There's nowhere to go. They travel 90 miles, by the way, making 10 miles a day. Where do they stay for the nine times before they got there. They slept out in the country. They carried a bedroll, they carried a tarp, they carried a tent. I'm not sure what you were thinking about them, but guys, these guys already know how to live outside. When they get to Bethlehem, it's the same thing. It's the same. So, so uh, most of the better places have been soaked up. When Mary and Joseph arrives over 90 miles, there's absolutely nothing left except for a stable. Let me ask you something, and by the way, one more embellished thing in our stories, we've embellished and romanticized this. It doesn't ever say a stable in your New Testament. Show me it. Oh, it had my wife argument. It has to be a stable because there was a manger there. And I would, I would say this in rebuttal. There she is. I would say this. Every stable had a manger, but not every manger had a stable. Again, you have people bivouacked everywhere. How did they get there? and their Cadillacs and Lincolns and helicopters, they got there, if they rode an animal at all, if they were anything other than walking, they were on camels and donkeys, right? So you, not only do you have to have a place for the people to stay in the countryside, you also have to have the place for the animals, so they're staked out everywhere, and why every animal, there's probably a feed trough. So I would suggest to you there was quite a number of feed troughs in, in the area, for, relatively speaking. So they could have been anywhere and I'm familiar with the tradition that says they were in a cave, and I know when you travel to, to Bethlehem, they're going to be having the Bethlehem, you know, the, the Christmas Eve service there at the Church of the Nativity, and you go down underneath the Church of the Nativity. I've been there, and there's a little cave, and there's a star on the floor that says that's where Jesus was born. Well, you need to know that St. Helena went there with a ton of money, and her, her son was the emperor of Rome, for crying out loud, and she was going to build a church at the place where Jesus was born. Well, nobody knew where he was born because, like I said, there's no telling where he was born. She picked a cave because somebody said maybe it was there. That's all. And they built a church over it. Because it doesn't say stable. It does say manger. But it doesn't say stable. And I'm suggesting to you that's, that manger could have been anywhere. They were used to living outside. They were used to sleeping in tents. There was some kind of shelter of some kind. I hope. I can, we can only hope. But let me, just, let me just boil it down to this. Being God, could have done it anyway, anywhere, under any circumstances, and this is what he does? That is weird. That is super weird. Of all the places and all the circumstances that you could have brought your son into the world and you bring him as exactly, you orchestrated exactly like it reads here? Wow. Is, that's something else. It really is. And given what they had, a manger is an upgrade, is it not? So we can either put him in a manger or we can put him on the ground. And I don't know what's on the ground. I would rather deal on that end of an animal as opposed to, you know, that end of an animal. At least to get him in a feed trough. But to anyone else, finding a baby in a manger is a sign, as it says here. Very weird. 
not where you put babies, and so it was a very easy thing for, the, for these, these shepherds to find, among the mangers, to find one that had a baby in it. It's got to be it, right? Nothing weirder than that. So again, uh, let, me, let me boil this down for you. So the God of heaven came down to earth, and he landed in a feed trough? That is weird. That is really weird. Would you have done it that way? Would you have thought of it that way? If you're a God and you're in the council of heaven with your angels around you and someone brought up the option of Bethlehem and a feed trough, would it not have been struck off the list really quick? Would have been mine. That's exactly what God did. Super weird. So, so from a weird place for labor and delivery all the way to tremend, adding to the tremendous weirdness of it all, who, who does he tell? About the birth, he sends his angels, a special courier, if you will. The angel of the Lord stands in the presence of who? And the glory of the heavens opens up to whom? To shepherds. Again, one more thing we've romanticized and made into something that it was not would have, would have been at least in the minds of the people who first heard this story. Shepherds, shepherds have been romanticized by our Christmas stories. And, and in fact, they were a very unlikely group to be the sole recipients of the news. So he lands in a feed trough and he only tells shepherds, that is really weird. Very unlikely group, and I'll, I'll tell you why. So, so uh, but let me, let me put it to you this way. Had God announced the birth of his son at the temple, which by the way, only six or seven miles away as a crow flies, over a mountain, but it's still six or seven miles as a crow flies. Had he announced it at the temple and among the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and at uh, uh, I don't know, Herod's uh, palace down in Jericho, only 18 miles away, and across the Mediterranean at Caesar's palace. And also, by the way, brought it to the shepherds. Well, that wouldn't be near as weird. But the fact that he told no one, no one, but the shepherds, it's really weird. It's really weird. Let, let me explain it to you this way. Shep shepherds were not bad people. They were just very unlikely people. You, in this culture, you shepherded when you could do nothing else. Like nothing. It, it was a thing that you did when you had, you, by being a shepherd, you told the world that you had no education and you had no skills. Because that's exactly the way they look at you. I couldn't think of anything better, and I know there, there's certainly way exceptions to this. It'd be as if God comes to the earth today and only tells a handful of homeless people in downtown Brownsville about the arrival of his son. And again, I know homeless people, some of them are, you know, have doctor degrees, and you know, so, so to say unskilled, maybe unable to produce skills, and seemingly uneducated. But the shepherds, on the other hand, would have been everything in all that way. No mental issues at all. No, no substance abuse at all. Shepherds, shepherds were not allowed to testify in their court system of this day. And again, not because they were considered liars. They were just considered to be so dim-witted that they were considered unreliable. That and only them is who God says, by the way, here's my son. No one else. No one else. So the, the God of the universe comes to this planet and he becomes fused with his creation forever and you only tell the shepherds. That is weird. Amazingly weird that he would do it that way. 
Shepherds, like I said, were not weird, not bad people. They were just so, it was so weird to find them. And speaking of weird, can you imagine this scenario? Imagine with me. So, so the angels, we've already read it. So, so the angels here in, in chapter 2, why don't, we, why don't we read the rest of it? Let's just read all of it. Verse 8. <laughs> we didn't really read the rest of verse, verse 11 and verse 12 and following. Let's do that. But verse 8 says, In the same region there were shepherds staying out in the fields, because that's what they did, Keeping this time of year, keeping watch over the flocks by night, and the angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them. So they're in their little bedrolls. Sheep are asleep. Whammo. Glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which shall be for all people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior. Notice, not for them, even though it is true, but for you. Good news for these shepherds, right? Born for you, Savior, which is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with them an angel, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men, with whom he is well pleased. And it came about when the angels had gone away that the shepherds turned to each other and said, That was really weird. <laughs> no. I mean, that's not what it says, but I think we can imply that. Boy, that was weird. Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which is the Lord has made known to us. How weird is that? Born in obscurity, in a tiny little town, some shelter we don't even know, near a manger for sure, to a poverty-stricken couple, Attended only by the least of that culture is where God of the universe made his landing on terra firma. That is so weird. It is so weird. It's so out there. It's so not what we would do and not what we would expect, right? At all. And the weirdest thing of all is what you have here in verse 11. It says, for today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior. See, we, we take that for granted, don't we? Savior, yeah, of course he came to save us. Look how awesome we are. Of course he wanted me in heaven. Heaven wouldn't be near worth it if I wasn't there. If we weren't there. God didn't come to save us because we deserved it or even asked for it if we're going to talk about deserving he should have been so christ has been born to you the judge the 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 executioner now that makes sense you want to know what we are talking about what we deserve that's what we deserve it's super weird though that he doesn't come to do those things he comes to save us he comes to rescue us that is so weird not kill us the story I told the kids before of the little, uh, I wish I knew the guy who had, who, had, who had come up with that story about becoming a dog. You know, he says, but uh, you're going to become a dog to communicate my love to them. But here's what you need to know. You're gonna, I'm going to make you a chihuahua. Uh, can you get more chihuahua than less than 24 inches and less than 10 pounds in the hands of a, a, a teenager girl and a, and a young man who had no clue what he was doing any more than any other husband ever has 
in, in a bivouacked area outside of a small town in the middle of absolutely nowhere that no one would have guessed, and the only people that show up to the parade is the ne'er-do-wells of the culture? Is that how you would have done that? No. You see, God became one, me neither. <laughs> God became a chihuahua, did he not? Here, here's the rest of the story I didn't tell the kids. I want to tell, hold, hold now and I tell you. So not only did God come to the guy and says, I want you to go down there and become a dog. I'm going to make you a dog, but I'm going to make you a chihuahua. But he says one more thing. You're going to stay a chihuahua forever. Isn't that right? Isn't there a man sitting on the throne of God today who resurrected because he's the Savior, because he truly has paid for our sins? God didn't keep him in, in uh, judgment for us. He released him because he was being judged for our sins and our sins have been paid for. How do we know it? Because he's resurrected him. But yet he came back as a man, did he not? Yet I know he's God. I do. But he's still united to this stuff. He's still a dog, if you will forever he became one of us so that we could be changed through him savior's been born to you a savior's been born right not to the angels not to other planets to you savior you do you know him as savior do you know him as savior i'm not asking if you know that he is the savior that's a step one step two do you know him as your personal savior have you yourself ever trusted him See, that, that's the thing. It's one thing to know. The devil knows he's the Savior. How are you better than the devil? Is he your Savior? Have you ever placed your faith in him? And you honestly say before God right now, Pastor Bill, I have trusted Jesus as my Savior. If you can't say that, you need to get that done. See, God spanned heaven and earth and, and did these incredible weird things to get our attention to get us to him. And the only way to him is through this son that has come and not just stayed a baby, became a man and died for our sins and rose again again to prove that he's the Savior. But you've got to choose him as your Savior. Would you like to do that today? I want to ask you if you would bow your heads and close your eyes with me as we contemplate what God has said to us already. Would you like to know Jesus as your Savior? Scripture says it's simple. It says all you have to do is cry out to him. All you've got to do is call on him. Call, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved, it says. Do you believe God's word? Do you believe that he's, what he's telling you is true? It says, he who has the son has the life, and he who does not have the son of God does not have the life. To as many as received him, have you received him? To them he gave the right to become the children of God. It's an exclusive group. So some will receive him, some won't. You don't want to be a part of the group that won't the Savior. Would you trust him today? Would you call on him today? Lord Jesus, I thank you that you have become, come to be the Savior, not just to be a baby, not just to give us a great celebration this time of year. You came to rescue and save and reconcile to God all those who would come in faith to you, through you to him. Thank you that you're able to save to the uttermost those who do. Lord, we give you glory. We thank you for all that you've done. Thank you for this weird thing that you did. We would have never done it this way. But uh, we're not like you. Thank you, God, for showing us such humility, such uh, generosity, such deep love. I pray we respond the same way to you. I ask these things in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thanks for visiting. Find us at www.islandbaptist.org.